We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to wrap up Rivalry Week with a matchup across the river against little brother, the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I say that with self-awareness that little brother is much more successful and has much higher expectations, at least in the short term, than, than we do. The We are Cooper Manning and... They are a combination of Peyton and Eli. Nevertheless, uh, this the obvious connections between the two teams, this being a legitimate inner city rivalry between New York and Brooklyn. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving chose them over us, which no matter what happens off the court will still be uh, a wrinkle and a connection between the rivalry. Um, I'd argue it's the one that actually turned it into a rivalry for me, which you'll hear about that in just a second. There's these two other uh, connections, these droughts, these streaks that exist. The Knicks have never beaten Ben Simmons. I'm not sure who knew that. The Knicks have never beaten Ben Simmons in a basketball game uh, throughout his entire uh, career. And it's not like this is Luca that they've never beaten. Or how about this? Kevin Durant that they've never beaten, but uh, they might have a chance to actually end that streak. They've done that a lot this season, ending longtime droughts, whether it's winning in, in Denver or winning in Toronto. They might finally get to beat Ben Simmons if he plays in this game. They've also never beaten Kyrie Irving as a member of the Nets. They also haven't beaten Kevin Durant, who obviously will not play in this game because he's still nursing that knee injury. But the only two times since Durant and Kyrie went to Brooklyn that the Knicks have beaten the Nets once was after Mike Miller got fired. Um, the Knicks beat the Nets in Brooklyn in a game. They missed a ton of threes and the Knicks won comfortably. Then the other time was the day that Kobe Bryant passed away. They played a basketball game against the Nets that night in a game that Mike Breen uh, appropriately described as one that nobody wanted to take any part of. And uh, you can understand why. And it's it's going to be interesting to see on Saturday night with two teams coming off two completely opposite two-game stretches uh, if that those streaks can end because the Nets come in losing to Philly and then losing two nights later at home to Detroit. And I think it's very easy to say this. The Knicks come in 
off of their two best wins of the season at home against Cleveland and on the road in Boston in overtime. Um, this should be should be a good matchup, should be a fun matchup, and might actually do something for this rivalry um, going forward. Who better to talk about the Brooklyn Nets than, for my money, the biggest Nets fan that exists, the biggest Nets fan that I can personally think of, and someone who has been a staple in the New York sports talk radio scene since the mid-2000s. And the reason I know that is because that's how long I've been listening to him on the New York sports talk radio scene. Uh, Evan Roberts of WFAN, who is co-hosting with Craig Carton in the afternoons um, on WFAN from 2 to 6 every day. Uh, it's the Carton Roberts program. He also has some Odyssey podcasts for the Mets called Rico Bronia. And I think it's literally the Evan Roberts Nets basketball podcast that he has. So he does have a podcast for them as well. Um, Evan roots for two of the same teams as I do. You, you know, I'm a Jets fan. You know, I'm a Nets fan. He follows them passionately. He's almost a historian for both. You guys have heard me kind of flex my memory for certain events and and kind of how photographic I can get with sports. Um, a lot of that is inspired by Evan Roberts, who can go encyclopedic with his sports memory with the best of them. And Evan, unfortunately, covers the Brooklyn Nets or follows the Brooklyn Nets with that same intense passion and, uh, and energy. And um, it was nice enough to... to take part in some good-natured back and forth in the conversation you're about to hear. We preview this game and talk all about the, the rivalry and then the Knicks and the Nets seasons so far. The Nets have obviously gone through a lot off the court. They've also seen some pretty dominant stretches on the court. Um, and it, I think you'll enjoy what he has to say about this team. It's not too much uh, putting the Knicks down, which... Of course, there, there's going to be some of that. Let's get to it. Here's my conversation previewing the Knicks matchup against the Brooklyn Nets with the one and only Evan Roberts of WFAN. Enjoy. Next up here on the Knicks Film School pregame show, a man that in this market does not need an introduction, a man that if you've heard me talk about how I got into this industry, you know how instrumental he was specifically on the overnights and then in the middays with uh, influencing me and John and all the rest of us that wanted to be diehard fans ranting about our favorite teams. But weirdly enough, a man crossing enemy lines into Nick's territory here on the Nick's Film School podcast from the afternoon show on WFAN with Craig Carton, known as Carton and Roberts. He is Evan Roberts. Evan. Welcome to Knicks Film School. Oh, I'm honored. I'm honored to hang out with some Knicks fans. That's, that's what I love to do. I love hanging out with Knicks fans. I was going to say, you mentioned it in your conversation with the Knicks owner today on your show <laughs> that you have season tickets. Uh, first of all, how I understand it. I don't think if I ever got to your point of success, I would ever own like Knicks and Nets or more specifically for my case, Mets and Yankees season tickets. But like, how long have you been a Knicks season ticket holder? And what was the thinking? This has been brief, and it really okay. started against when you guys played Atlanta a couple of years ago. I wanted to go to one of the playoff games that didn't coincide with my team playing in the playoffs. So it worked out that it would be game one, the Trey Young game, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. And I bought tickets on the Chase Bridge. And I remember thinking to myself, I love this place. Not, not the garden, but the bridge. Like, what a view. I like the table in front of me. This is fantastic. And so I thought... 
I love going to basketball games, you know, even if it's to root against your team. <laughs> so would it make sense to buy a package? You know, obviously sell a few of the games, not for any kind of huge profit, but just so I can make some of my money back, <laughs> take some friends and have a good time. And God forbid the Knicks play the Nets in the playoffs. I'm set. I got my mm. seats for uh, a few of those games. And I did it last year. and It was a fun time. Like I was able to at least get some of my money back, uh, went to the games. I love watching basketball. I love watching the Knicks. Usually it's rooting against you guys. And don't take any offense to that. If you're a Mets fan, you do the same thing with the Yankees. So believe me, I get it. Yeah. yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. And so I like going. I go to a lot more Nets games. And the only Knicks games I'll ever go to are when the Nets are off. Like they can't even be playing on the road. So I'm very picky, but I like it. I like basketball and I like watching. I just like watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my fiance's data season tickets are part of a season ticket package to the Rangers. So I, I understand the the chase view, the chase bridge view and and what you're talking about. I I am curious if you are expecting or are looking forward to the possibility of this Knicks Nets playoff series, which is not too far fetched where we're standing today. The Nets being 29 and 19, the Knicks being as currently the seven seed. Two seven three six. Are are you? Would you dread a, a Knicks net playoff series? Are you fine because you know you have the better team? This isn't going to make any sense. What I'm about to tell you, but it's the god honest truth. It's how I feel. In mm-hmm. 2021, when the Nets looked unbeatable, let's face it, with a healthy Harden, Irving, and Durant, the rare moments they played together, and you guys had a tremendous season. Mm-hmm. I feared it. I didn't want to play you because I thought the risk was just too high. Even losing a game to me would be a disaster. I'd have to sweep you kind of like 2004. Like I'd have to make it easy. Otherwise it's a disaster. I've gone through, you know this, bro. I've gone Mm -hmm. through so much crap over the last couple of years. So much pain. This guy wants out. This guy doesn't play. This guy's sending links to movies that are unacceptable. I've seen it all, bro. I've, Uh I've gotten all the pain that I look at Nick's nets and say, I'll take it because I've already seen the worst. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll lose, but I don't have that attitude of boy. If I lose a game, it's a disaster. I feel like if I beat you in six, it's a celebration. It doesn't matter. So I'm more open to the possibility now than I even was a couple of years ago. So it's very much, uh, I've already, what is dead can never die. Like I'm already dead inside as far as what this team has put me through. Yes. What's a Knicks Nets playoff series? I, I won't feel anything. The, all the anxiety kill, won't exist. Yeah, bro. You can't kill me anymore than Durant demanding a mm-hmm. trade and me spending three months with Nick fans dancing on my grave. In fact, I have a memory, sir. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I love you guys. I was wondering I if watching. this was going to come up. <laughs> I remember just a mo- let me rephrase this. Let me see if I got this accurate. Let's all take a moment to laugh <laughs> ten seconds. at the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, 10 seconds. Yes. Yeah, so I heard it mm-hmm. and I said, "You know what? He's right. You should laugh at us." And I respect it. But maybe I'll get to laugh last. Maybe. And look that's the beauty of sports. When we got our teeth kicked in, when we went to Brooklyn, when what I thought was your season being in turmoil and yet it didn't <laughs> change the fact that you still have Kevin Durant. We don't. I was like, let's take 10 seconds to laugh at the Knicks. Yes. To get all of the laughs in. I saw my face being passed around Nets Twitter the day that they blew a nine point lead with 30 seconds. <laughs> this is the beauty of sports. I get it. I understand. And as much uh, anxiety as I would have through that series, while 
knowing that the Knicks would have house money in that series, let the Knicks take a two-one lead in that series and completely change all the expectations. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the issues the Knicks have had with holding on to any kind of lead this season would rear its ugly head. Um, it would it'd be fun for the city. And it's funny, like this is rivalry week in the NBA. And now I finally think the Knicks are playing a rival this week. Um, with the Nets on Saturday That's interesting. Night. Yeah. So you view us as a rival. You don't view us as like a gnat that's flying around your head that you just swat away. I used to. I will say that. Not as not the descriptive disrespect that you just mentioned. I will say it. I never really had as much of a... I don't know. So I used to work retail and uh, in sporting goods. And I just... I never had anybody come and ask like for Nets stuff. You know, just it. because of I where I was and where where the customer base would be like the Knicks section was always significantly bigger than the Nets section. It's impossible to ignore what the rivalries become the last three years. And it started as far as I'm concerned. I don't know how you feel. Um, the moment Jan- June 30th, 2019, when Durant and Kyrie chose to go to, to New York, but not to the other team. You there's, know? there's levels to this because when they played in New Jersey as a diehard New Jersey Nets fan, especially in the Newark days, mm-hmm. it was 98% Nick fans in my own building. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. I think I, you know this. What's one of them? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped going because it mm-hmm. was so bad at the end. And so we were nothing. Like, as a kid growing up on Long Island, I couldn't even buy Nets stuff because I'd have to drive to New Jersey to find Nets stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think the first jump wasn't even the Jason Kidd era, but the first jump was just moving to Brooklyn. You know, Jay-Z putting up the student, Mikhail Prokhorov putting up that just obnoxious billboard, which I admit was obnoxious. <laughs> the, this, the key to success, whatever the hell they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, that started it because then there was this sense of, hey, you guys are in New York City, but no one in New York City cares about you. And I, I just noticed it at Barclays Center when it first opened. Not that there were a ton of net fans, but there was something. Like, I, I felt like we were more annoying to you then. And then, yeah, obviously getting the guys you dreamed about, even though it hasn't exactly worked out very well for me so far. Not yet, but that, we'll yet. talk about basketball and how the peak of what the Nets could be in a bit, I promise. But yeah. that elevated it. You're right. But I think it started to me, at least, just by playing in Brooklyn, New York. That just started it. So I'll be honest with you, as far as what you're explaining, because again, grew up in Long Island, didn't see a lot of Nets stuff, especially when I was working retail. But like the first time I started to see it, was when, oh, wow, a Kevin Garnett jersey. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Sure, I'll get that. A Paul Pierce jersey. You know, right. you you go down the list of like, maybe not necessarily known for being a great net, no. but for being a great player in this net uniform. Yeah. Um, 2019 was the first time someone chose New York and not the Knicks, at least as far as I'm concerned. There was always that that stretch throughout the 2000s where we were like, well, if the Knicks ever got cap space and they, they'll have a chance to be good, then people will go there. And then the decision happened. And it was like, okay, Le- LeBron didn't come here. That, the, that, that whole summer it ended up just being uh, Amari Stoudemire. And then the rest of the 2010s happened. And then it, it, for six months after the Porzingis trade, it was like, okay, Durant's going to New York. Everybody's reporting Durant's going to New York. I remember you and Joe talking to Howard Beck and you even saying like, I'm realistic. If he's coming to New York, he's going to go to New- the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. So I would like to ask you about Tobias Harris. And I was like, all right. So <laughs> even <laughs> then, I, like you understand how the, how this is probably going to work. And the days leading up to June 30th, you know, and look, I guess we can now start to talk about how things have gone the past three years. And I want to try and keep it basketball because there is a, a tumultuous tenure, obviously, just sure. as, 
from the outside looking in and all the off the court stuff. And yet, not to not to trigger you, you're a shoe size away, in my opinion, from being in a, a, a team, having a team that won a championship a couple of years ago. Is there at least a version you see on the court, like post Harden mess? Well, we'll talk about Ben Simmons. And I think I have a Kyrie question, but I don't know if I want to ask it. Um, is there a on court version that you're like, you know what? Bullshit aside, like they can win a title. I don't know if I ever go to title. I mean, Mm -hmm. during the best of this run where they're pummeling out wins 18 out of 20 and showing fight and learning how to play together and Ben Simmons being a really good role player because that's all he is. Mm -hmm. And Durant and Irving having a chemistry together, which they never had, which is kind of crazy to think about for two guys that are supposedly BFFs and want to play together. Not until this year have I seen them actually play well off of each other. But I think what holds me back from saying, hey, during that run where they won 18 out of 20 before Durant got hurt, that they were a championship contender, is I need to see them beat Boston. Mm -hmm. And to your credit, to your team's credit, even though it took a couple of missed free throws from Jalen Brown, you did something I haven't seen my team do in a couple of years, and that's Mm -hmm. beat the Celtics. And that's the team they got to get through. So, yeah, from a basketball standpoint, I've seen them click for a somewhat extended period of time, if you want to consider 20 games to be extended. For me, it is just because I haven't seen much. Mm-hmm. But I think what I needed to see and I didn't, and they had one crack at them because the second time they played Boston, Durant's out. So forget that. They didn't beat them. They didn't beat mm-hmm. them at Barkley Center. And that's the team they got to beat four out of seven times. And so while I was really encouraged by the way they were playing and enjoying it greatly, am I convincing myself that this is it and they're going to win an NBA championship, bro. I need to see more. And what really, really sucks is just when you think, okay, it's coming together and they're playing together and the rotations are being figured out. And wow, we have a coach who calls guys out Mm. and actually knows when to call a timeout. (laughs) Kevin Durant gets hurt and it's nobody's fault. Like I'm not mad. It's not Kevin's fault, but the facts are Kevin Durant's been hurt every year since he's gotten here. And while it hasn't happened in the playoffs, knock on wood, Mm. it seems to happen at a time where it's like, uh, finally clicking. So I don't think I can go as far as to saying I I've seen them with their full capabilities, but they, they played great basketball for a a month period of time, maybe more than that. And I just want to see more. Can I spin it into a positive that Durant got hurt? Sure. Well, you just said it like what you signed up for when he came to Brooklyn was this is a guy that just tore the, the the most detrimental injury for a basketball player has been the Achilles. And while I think Durant has defied some odds as far as what a player can regain post Achilles injury, we have, like you said, not seen him play a full season. I would argue not that you want to root for an injury, but you got to see it. That 20 game sample, while it only being 20 games, you got to see what this team's peak could be. And now you get the Durant rest. So that way the next peak, if it happens, is come getting ready for a playoff run. You it's, know? it's a positive way to look at it. I guess I'm, I'm a dinosaur in which I still think the regular season matters. And mm-hmm. I still think getting the highest seed possible and home court advantage matters. Last year, they got Durant and Irving healthy at the same time. They were the seventh seed. They had to mm-hmm. play a playing game. They had to then go play the Boston Celtics right out of the gate. If you have a chance to beat teams you're better than and work your way to a Boston series in the conference finals, the results could be different. 
Like, I, I'm not saying they would have beaten them. They didn't look like they could have beaten them, even though game one was an incredibly winnable game. So I guess it scares me that there's a stretch of time where they're clearly not the same without KD. You've seen the way they've played. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled they beat Golden State the way they did. I'm thrilled they beat Utah, but they haven't played great. And so I guess getting a top three seed matters to me. I don't think you could just cruise into the playoffs as a six or dare I say, falling into the play-in tournament like last year and then expect to say, well, everybody's healthy at the right time. Things will click together. With that said, Durant's been brilliant, man. I, I, it's not a rip on him that he's gotten hurt every year. And you're right. He's defied logic by what he's done coming off this Achilles injury. And I, other than the trade demand, I got nothing bad to say about the guy. The guy's been outstanding. He really has. Mm-hmm. So I love Kevin Durant and he's become like our guy. For a while, I think you guys would even say this. He's a mercenary. Well, he's not anymore. He's a freaking net. At some point, you go from being a mercenary to just being on someone's team. Mike Piazza at first was what? A mercenary? mercenary. And then eventually, he's our guy. I'm I'm trying to play out how the Piazza thing happened. Because Piazza came in a trade and the, the mercenary period was so short. And also just like the nature of what the NBA is now, you know, um, I guess the, the argument could be there. I I thought po- when he signed the second extension, I guess the first extension to guarantee that he'd yeah. be here for more guaranteed years. That's when I think it was like, OK, he's going to be a net forever, which is why we took 10 seconds to to laugh at the Nets over. Well, the because it was to me, it was stunning. Like, I, yeah. I'm a negative guy, man, but I didn't see Durant demanding a trade. The other thing he does, and I know this probably pisses you guys off, but understand where I'm coming from. He likes to troll you, and that matters to us. Mm-hmm. Like, he acts like a net. He acts proud to be a member of the Brooklyn Nets and say, yeah, you guys are more popular, but man, we took over your building. Now, look, I was in the garden last year. We didn't take over your building. We had a <laughs> handful of fans there, me being one of them, and it was great, and it was major progress. But things like that tickle our fancy. We like to hear somebody who's on our team basically say, we love you, little fellas. Why is it that you and I have such an affection for Rex Ryan? Because he went <laughs> went right at the Patriots, you know? Like we Exactly. Like if he had just done that and it was like the Steelers, which I know you understand this, he should have kept that yes. same energy the following week against <sighs> Pittsburgh. But so as a I believe me, still dealing with it too. Um, and I, what's funny, that's the last playoff game we've seen uh from the New York Jets. Regardless, yep. I yep. I can understand it. And like to the opposite side of that, the game where KD alleged that the the net fans took over the garden, that capped off a three and 17 stretch for the Knicks. And because it was capped off by Brooklyn, which is why I just, I have to acknowledge that the rivalry officially has emotionally become something I'm invested in, you know, um, like that. That's why this being the capper for rivalry, I think, makes the most sense. Um, I look. We have a Patreon pod, John and I, where we talk about the NBA at large, and that's where we talk about the Nets more than than often. And I still have my questions. And the first one, this Ben Simmons thing is 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 curious from the outside. Oh. I'm sure it's miserable from from the inside. Seeing Jack Vaughn's comments, uh, I guess it was yesterday about like. Some guys are hurt and despite trying to get ready to play and some guys don't play because they're not ready to play. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Has the Ben Simmons uh, time seen? Is it as miserable as it seemed to, to root for a player like this or have someone like this on your roster? It all depends. Yes and no. It's complicated. Ben Simmons mm-hmm. is very, very complicated. It depends on how you view him. 
if you view him as the guy who's been to all-star games, as you view him as the guy he was three years ago, it's incredibly frustrating because he's not that guy. And to me, a lot of it is just mental. It's not even like a lack of athleticism or a guy losing it. It's he's allergic to the basket. You know, he looks to pass at a at an insane level. But then there are moments, and I even saw this in the Philadelphia game a couple of days ago, where he says, okay, I want to be aggressive now. And he takes it to the basket and he's aggressive and he goes to the free throw line and actually makes a couple of free throws. Hmm. And you say to yourself, he has it in him. Like it, it, it exists somewhere. Now, if you just view Ben Simmons and you forget the salary because he makes a lot of money and you forget the resume, he's a useful basketball player. <laughs> he, he is. He's a useful uh, piece on a team, but he's not that piece. He's not the guy. And so that's infuriating because I, I go between those two kind of emotions. There are times in which I say, look, Evan, just I've never seen the Ben Simmons who dominated my team in the postseason in 2019 on my team with the Nets. Mm -hmm. So why think of him that way? You can't think of the Harden trade. It's a sunk cost. It is what it is. Is he helping this team? And there are a lot of moments where he does. But then when you see a guy and you saw this in the first half of the Philly game, but it happens a lot where he just lacks aggressiveness where he's under the basket and he's like turning around real quick to find someone else to kick the ball out to you say, dude, like I get being selfless, but you got to pick your spots. And Jacques Vaughn has sat him in big moments and he's right because Nick Claxton has become a star. It's just so pleasing to watch Nick Claxton become what he's become, which has made it easier that Ben Simmons is not Ben Simmons. But I, day to day, I got to get mixed about it. I think what's really frustrating is the knee soreness mm. because we're skeptical of it. And I don't want to be a guy that's skeptical of someone getting hurt, but the coach is skeptical of it because the coach after the game says, Hey, TJ Warren got hurt. You can see where he got hurt. And then we've got knee soreness. <laughs> and it's like, okay, if Jacques Vaughn is questioning this, why shouldn't I? But I do appreciate that Vaughn's giving that tough love. He was giving tough love to Kyrie Irving when he first arrived, and that could have gone awry, but it's worked. Kyrie's responded to it. So I know that Ben Simmons has had his moments where tough love doesn't work. Just ask Doc Rivers. But mm -hmm. at this point, what else are you going to try? It's interesting you call it a sunk cost because like in New York, we have the, the Evan Fournier sunk cost and to a lower extent, but to a very vocal portion of the fan base's extent, the Cam Reddish sunk cost, you know, where it's like you mm -hmm. traded a protected first for him. He's out of the rotation less than a year later. Evan Fournier, you gave him a four-year contract out of the rotation less than a year and a half later. And it's, because it's what's better for the team. You can't view it as what he means to the payroll or as you're saying, what you traded for James Harden or I guess James traded James Harden for, right. You know, you just have to look at it as what he is to the team now. And I guess, I mean, look, this kind of leads into a Jacques Vaughn question that I have the night and day that you've seen between him and Steve Nash. Well, I guess what is the biggest difference? Is it just that, like the players respect him. It's, it's much more accountability and like situations like that where he's not afraid to call out a player. Yeah, there, there, there's a bunch of things, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I give you one simple thing, but it, it matters. How many times did Steve Nash let this team play without calling a timeout? Mm. 
And it would go minutes and minutes and minutes where I'm screaming at the TV or I'm at Barkley Center saying, hey, dude, can you wake up and call a freaking timeout? This team hasn't defended in about three and a half minutes. Can you call a timeout and rip everybody new ass? Can you do that for me? You're a freaking Hall of Famer. If anybody can rip anybody a new one, it should be you. And Jacques Vaughn, he does this a lot. And hopefully we don't see it too much in the Knicks-Nets game because it means things aren't going well. He gets disgusted. He's going to call that quick timeout, which we see a lot of coaches do. Craig Popovich does it. Thibodeau's done it before. I mean, it's it's normal to say, I'm disgusted. Let me call a timeout. And Steve Nash would take an hour and a half <laughs> before he did that. So it's it's a simple thing. You could argue maybe it's not that big of a deal. But the bigger deal was Kyrie Irving was going into business for himself early on. Where he's waving off plays and deciding what he wants to do. And there was one moment, I think the clip went viral, where Jacques Vaughn called a timeout and said, no, that, that's not how it works around here. And what's funny is Steve Nash was a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Jacques Vaughn played for the Nets. I remember him as a player. He was not a Hall of Famer. Nice little point guard, nice little player. And yet it feels like he has more confidence or more credibility in that room to call people out. And if you believe what Durant said when he explained the trade demand, and you don't have to believe what he said. He claimed, I wanted to be coached and I want this team to be coached, mm. which makes a lot of sense when you watched Steve Nash coach, and I use parentheses, for the last couple of years. So there's a bunch of differences between Jacques Vaughn and Steve Nash. All I know is this. It became obvious to everybody. Steve Nash was a terrible head coach who wasn't getting any better. And because of the timing of it, it became easy to say, oh, yeah, let's just blame Steve Nash. Well, when people said that to me, they were screaming, I don't watch the Nets. So let's just, here's the easy thing to say. If you watch the Nets, you know, Steve Nash sucked as a mm-hmm. head coach. I'm sorry. He just did. Whether the timing of it was weird because of the Kyrie stuff or Durant demanding he get fired, it's irrelevant. Watch the man coach. He wasn't good. And so while I'm not telling you Jacques Vaughn is Red Auerbach, I'll tell you this, he's a lot better than Steve Nash. Let's say it just has to not be Steve Nash, it sounds like, in in this case. And look, the the numbers bear out just the, the, the night and day, the, the significantly different team, especially on the defensive end, that the, the Nets have become under Jacques Vaughn. It's so curious that Katie says I wanted to be coached. And that's like my, my biggest takeaway when you saw that quote over the summer was like, weren't you the ones that said you wanted Steve Nash? Like, isn't that why Kenny Atkinson wasn't here anymore? Is that, is that, am I missing portions of the story there? No, it's one of those things where we're all trying to make an assumption. And the assumption was because Kenny Atkinson was fired when he was, Mm -hmm. that that was a decision just simply made by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I can't say that's not true, but that's the perception we all have. Sean Marks has always said, no, 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 no. But logic would say, you sign these big superstar free agents, you're going to give them say who's running the team. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it was a perception that still exists that they got Kenny fired. They had a hand in hiring Steve Nash. And then what? They changed their mind or maybe that a relationship between Kevin Durant and Steve Nash was different when Steve Nash is a consultant with the Warriors as opposed to actually being a head coach. It's different. It's a different job. And Kevin Durant should know what a good head coach looks like. So. I- Maybe he wanted him hired and then realized after a couple of years, this ain't it. And it clearly wasn't it. 
For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100, or visit weissandrosenblum.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Knicks fans. This year, you've got goals and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and energy. You need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you need to do is heat up and enjoy. 
I don't know about you, but one of the things I like to do to stay healthy is eat a lot of grilled chicken. The problem is I don't think grilled chicken tastes very good most of the time. With Factors meals, grilled chicken is always super fresh and super tasty, and they give you all sorts of varieties. This week, I got an order of roasted grilled chicken, and then I got another order of potato leek mash and grilled chicken. Both of them were absolutely delicious. My favorite thing about Factor is they always give you some grilled chicken dishes because I get the low calorie option that are totally delicious, easy to prep, obviously, and they always leave me wanting another dish the next night. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie smart, vegan and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Plus, you can round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 36-plus quick bites, smoothies, juices, and more satisfying add-ons. Looking to cut back on takeout? Get Factor instead. Not only is Factor cheaper than takeout, but meals are ready quicker than restaurant delivery in just two minutes. Eating vegan or veggie is a snap with Factor because each meal is prepared by chefs and approved dietitians. You know that your Factor meal has all of the ingredients you want and nothing you don't. And if you're looking to mix it up, you can add a protein to select veggie and vegan meals each week. Get Factor and enjoy clean eating without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor-packed food delivered right to your door. Ready in just two minutes, there is no easier way to eat well. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best life. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time, eating well, and living your best year ever. Don't hesitate. Head to factor75.com slash filmschool60 and use code filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code filmschool60 at factor75.com slash filmschool60 to get 60% off your first box. Have you ever had Durant on the show? Never. Never would he have you tried? Is that something you've, yeah. you've tried to set up? I've tried because the Nets are on our radio station. I've mm-hmm. had Sean Marks on many times, some friendly interviews, some you know, not friendly interviews. Mm-hmm. I've had everybody on. And when Durant and Irving signed, I asked the Nets PR guy, who's a nice guy, I said, When are we getting them on? <laughs> and he basically said, I I don't want to ask them. Like they don't have to do these kind of interviews. Okay. So I tried. I don't take it personal. It is what it is. I'd love to have KD or Kyrie on, especially early on. Now there's a lot more probing questions, but early on, you know, I wasn't going to be a dick. Yeah. You know, I would ask the question that you'd want, which is, how could you pick the Nets over the Knicks? <laughs> I'd make you happy. But for me, I would be like, thank you. <laughs> Listen, it's still a, I'm waiting for the book. Like I, the, the can't knock the hustle book that Chandler wrote over, or Sullivan wrote um, two years ago. That one was a enlightening look at how the the Harden era in Brooklyn went and just how much carte blanche they were giving these players. But I just trying to make sense of, of literally all of his, his choices. And then look, like he's a grown man. He's a great basketball player. I think we'd sometimes get addicted to the access that some players have given us that we're not entitled to, but like choosing to go to Brooklyn, just it seemed like a well, everybody says I'm going to the Knicks. I'm going to Brooklyn. Everybody wants me to stay in OKC. I'm gonna go to to Golden State. But if you're this unfair team, you know, if if you're being fair though, 
and take the popularity aside, because I think to a lot of people it may not matter who the more popular team is. Right. And mm. I don't argue this. This is a Nick town. You'll never hear me say we're taking over. We're more. I, 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 don't, I, I, I see where you're going with this. The better team to go to for his situation was to Brooklyn. Like, that's right. one of the things we all. Yeah had to look inside ourselves and say, do I go to a 17 win team or do I go to the team that just made the playoffs? So if you know that, then what is really surprising about it? It's less about the surprise of him choosing to go to the better team. It's the six months of reporting that I was told by everyone that supposedly was in the know. He's going to the Knicks and then he tears his Achilles. And there's the theory out there. He was going to the Knicks until he tore his Achilles and needed something more stable. Yet every interview he's ever given about this, it was like, yeah, it was always the Nets. You know, it was always not going to Golden State, which at this point it's moot. Like, I don't necessarily need an answer. I just, to his personality, where it was like, it would make sense if it was like, I'll go to the Knicks, but then I'll actually go to the Nets. But then I want the coach fired because I want to be <laughs> get my own coach. Right. But then I want that coach fired. And I also want to get traded. And then I love New York. I love Brooklyn. This is my team, you know? So it, it just matches the personality back and forth that he has. The you know? only thing that's really, really strange, and I, I never understood this, is I had an NBA reporter on, and I, I forget his name. I feel bad. In like 2016. And we were just talking about Durant's free agency. And I brought up, so where, where do you think he's going to end up? And he's like, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but I've heard this thing that he's fascinated with Brooklyn. Now, mm. I almost fell off my chair because I'm like, what? what are you talking about? The Nets suck. I'm a Nets fan. And it was the first I heard of it. And the guy's like, yeah, no, I just, I heard he really likes Brooklyn. That's, that's all I've heard. I'm not saying he's going there. I've heard that. And then when Durant signed three years later, I spoke to that reporter. I said, was there something to you, what you <laughs> said? And he's like, yeah, I'd always heard Kevin Durant like Brooklyn. Now, I don't know why. I mean, I, I like Brooklyn, but I didn't know why when they sucked, he was interested in coming there. But who knows what's true? Who knows why all the reports were wrong? It's, it's tough to figure out. Listen, another person that likes Brooklyn is uh, one of my partners in crime here at Nick's Film School, the face of Nick's Film School, Mr. Macri, who moved to Brooklyn. So I can say I can understand <laughs> somebody choosing to uproot and uh, decide to live in Brooklyn. That's that's not too far-fetched, at least for me. Um, yeah, the you said it earlier, despite trying to figure out who he is personality wise and who he is as a person, as a basketball player, just watching him this season, that for me, if anything, was the disappointing part about seeing him get hurt. Yes, there's a rivalry. Yeah. I just he was playing some of the best basketball of his career. And, you know, you you, you almost wanted to commend him despite the turmoil that was going off the court to still keep that same level of play on it. And I, I got to be honest, as and maybe you can shed more light on it because you've watched him more intently this year. I kind of have to apply the same thing to Kyrie, who's been outstanding when he's been on the court this year. I don't have questions for off the court. That is just not a a road I want to go down uh, in this conversation. I guess what I want to ask more specifically is more about the extension that he may get. And it's, have you seen enough in the Jacques Vaughn, Kyrie returning from expansion, uh, extension uh, time, um, excuse me, suspension time, that you're now comfortable with him being signed to an extension. I was always comfortable giving him an extension. And I'll okay. tell you why. And it has nothing to do with trusting him or, you know, believing he's going to play every game. It comes down to this. And I think people lose sight of this. What are their options? Like, seriously, whenever I hear somebody say they should trade Kyrie, they should let Kyrie go. And replace him with what? 
there's an NBA salary cap. The Nets are capped out. You know, it's not as if, oh, we'll let Kyrie go and we'll replace him with name the guy. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. So this franchise, the way they are built right now, their only shot of winning is by having Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. That's it. There's no other option. Or you just blow the whole thing up, which was obviously on the table not too long ago. So Kyrie's played great basketball. Um, when he first came back from the suspension, he did not play great basketball. It was shaky, but I think he just needed to play. I mean, think about it. He hasn't played consistently in such a long time. When they finally was allowed to play full-time last year, it was so late in the season. So I think just seeing him get a chance to play every night and play big minutes every night and play with this roster together has been a big help. But as far as trusting him for an extension, they don't have a choice. Mm. There's no other game plan besides he re-signs and stays here. And I, I challenge anybody who says you can't trust him, let him go. Always annoys me when I hear people say that. Because my retort is, okay, and then what? Like, tell me the plan then, because Kyrie Irving has left and you don't want to re-sign him. No one ever has an answer, because there is no answer. And that's why we have no choice. We are in bed with them. You got to remain in bed. I get that. And I think my only it's not even a pushback. It's just if you if you did know that he wasn't resigning or you weren't comfortable resigning, it it's less about letting him walk. It was like, do you make the the long term decision now to get what you can? And I think the Lakers, you'd get both of their picks. They not even that would necessarily lead to like I listen, we just went through the summer of Donovan Mitchell. I heard the possibility of a three team deal where Mitchell goes to Brooklyn. Kyrie goes to the Lakers and all of the assets that are available go to Utah. I was rooting for that. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> when I talk about, about trauma, Evan, if in the span of four years, guys, three years in that stretch, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Donovan Mitchell go to Brooklyn instead of the Knicks, that would have that been the, the only time I was ever in the you got to move Kyrie is he needed to apologize for the video and he never did for a while. Mm-hmm. And during that lingering period where he didn't fully apologize. I I thought, I remember saying this to my dad one night in Brooklyn. I said, I don't think he's ever going to play here again. I don't know if this is fixable, mm. but I always believe things are fixable if you just apologize. Like it's just, it's not that complicated. And obviously that's the way it worked out. He did yeah. apologize. He came back now and it's, it's like a non-issue. No one talks about it anymore. But during that period of time, I remember saying, okay, call up Utah. Let's dump Kyrie Irving. They get to get some bad contracts off their books. We'll take back Mike Conley. Like I had all these ideas of how to just get something for him. But now when you're looking at what's the best way to win, what's your only way to win? Let's be perfectly honest. It involves him being on this roster for the next bunch of years. And it's why that 20 game stretch, I think should be, should be enough. Listen, I'm not in your shoes. So uh, you you decide what is enough as far as whether you you'll see that and be like you know what when they're together when they're playing I'll get that and we'll we'll work through the other portions of the season. I'm gonna tell you right now. What's you up? will understand this as a Nick fan. You know when I'll believe this team can win a championship. You know what that moment will be when they do. When they do it. <laughs> yeah. When they do. You can get, get me to yeah. the freaking conference finals up 301 Boston. I still won't believe it. I need to see those balloons coming down from the rafters at Barclays Center for me to say, yeah, oh, wow, they could do it. Evan, can I give you another example of when I will actually know that things are better? A much more 
more relatable and much more recent example and people on yes. YouTube, you should go and watch what I'm about to do. Um, <laughs> it's when like the Mets this season, we were told all oh, things are different now, Steve Cohen. It's, it's the, we're on track for hundred wins. The division is ours. How'd the season end? Now I'm like much more confident in how things are being run now. And like you lose the Grom, but like you spend $800 million, then cut back down to 500 because <laughs> right. Carlos Correa's leg is apparently going to break one day. Um, but I also will believe the Mets are officially well, champions when they're champions. You let know? me ask you a question then. All right. Mm -hmm. Because I've always been under this impression that when it rains, it pours. Like I haven't seen any of my teams win a title. You haven't either. Mm -mm. But when it happens, it's going to come in bunches. So with that said, if I told you right now, it's all going to magically work for Brooklyn. They're going to put it all <laughs> together. They're going to win an NBA title. And that means it's going to pour. Which also means oh, God. the Mets World Series, <laughs> the Jets Super Bowl. Sir, would you sign for that? Or is that net title too painful for you? So what you're saying is would I sacrifice the pain of having to watch the Nets win a title if it's then followed by a Mets and a Jets championship? No brainer. Come on. I, I have to think about it. That's all. You're not wrong that I probably would lean. Apologies, Knicks fans, but... I would sign up for it. Having said that, I do have to honor our core audience and be like, I wouldn't like it. But if you're then promising me happiness in other sports, I'd probably sign up for it. Well, I'll help you out for the Nick fans listening. And they're going to nod their head and say, Evan's right with this one. You got nothing to worry about. There'll only be <laughs> 70 people at the Nets parade since we have hey, no fans. We said so 87. We said 87 <laughs> would be at the Nets parade. That is the, that is the, we, we give yourself more credit. There'd be way Thank more than you. 70. Thank you. You know, um, so last question. Um, well, first of all, you want to talk about it coming in bunches? We're the, the, the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Like, I don't want to talk about turn this into a Jets pod, but if in a span of, Basically seven months. Donovan Mitchell doesn't go to the Knicks after rumors of him going to the Knicks. Carlos Correa doesn't go to the Mets after signing with the Mets and then not signing with the Mets. And then Aaron Rodgers and all of this smoke of him going to the Jets is like is supposedly supposed to happen. They hired his former offensive coordinator to be their offensive coordinator. And then he doesn't go to, and I'm like, I'm watching Jimmy G play seven weeks or Derek Carr get us to one round and done next year. Then, then I'll believe your theory about bunches because then I'll just, I'll be waiting for the, see, that'll complete the trifecta, you know? I have a more positive view. I say, wow, in the last four years, the teams I root for got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Justin oh, Verlander, Max it, Scherzer, see, Francisco Lindor. That's the, see, you have the Nets aspect. Okay. I'm going to lo look at it through your perspective going Thank forward. You. you know what? <laughs> it's working out for Evan, even if it's not working out for me. How's that? Um, so last question I got for you. Um, well, I guess as far as the game goes tomorrow night, is this a must win? It's a must win for me because I'm taking my youngest son to his first basketball game mm -hmm. and I cannot live in a world in which his first basketball game is watching the New York Knicks come into my building, Barclays Center, and get a win. So from that perspective, it's a must win. And look, it's just they have not played overall well without KD. Uh, the loss to Detroit was just disgusting on a lot of levels. The effort in the second half made me want to puke. Mm -hmm. uh, now Ben Simmons is questionable. TJ Warren's banged up and... You know, I, you're not a bad team by any stretch. I'm not saying like the Nets have to beat a bad team. The Pistons are a bad team. But the Knicks at home is a winnable game. That's a game you should win, even without Kevin Durant. I'm sorry. So it would be very disappointing uh, to not win this game. 
They have the Lakers coming up. They have the Celtics coming up. Like it, it would be, and I just don't like losing to you. And the last time the Nets lost to the Knicks was at Madison Square Garden on a tragic day, the day I think Kobe passed hey, away. Kobe died, yeah. Was the last time the Nets lost to the Knicks, so it's not something I'm used to. And I've got young kids, and they can't see that happen firsthand. Understand, that would be very damaging to their eyeballs to see the Knicks take over my building. Yuck. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about um, things have, through your perspective have started to work out, and in, in that's how we're going to get through some personal collective trauma together. I'll say this. The Knicks have been breaking some slumps this season and yep. they finally won in Denver after not winning since before the mellow trade. They finally won in Toronto for the first time since Jeremy Lin. They have not. It's not just that they haven't beaten the Nets since the, the night that Kobe passed away. They haven't beaten the Nets in the Katie Kyrie era when Katie or Kyrie have played. So to get that monkey off your back, I'm just saying there's, there's some momentum in that direction that another slump might come well, to an end. I'll throw on one Saturday more at night. you. One What's more up? part of that slump is the Ben Simmons slump. You guys have never beaten Ben Simmons, which is just ridiculous and doesn't yes. make any sense. Now, we'll see if Ben plays because he's got a sore knee. <laughs> got to keep an eye on that. Got to make sure he's healthy. So that does worry me. And the Knicks have played well, man. I mean, Julius, to his credit, I still think you guys should trade him as soon as you can. But Julius has had a monster year. And obviously, Jalen Brunson's been an incredible signing. And they're a quality basketball team. It's going to be a tough game. I know that. What would you trade Julius Randle for? Nothing. I don't want him. No. Oh, I'm, for, I'm, for I'm your sake. Say <laughs> yes, for Kevin Durant, straight up. They're on the same max. They're on the same type of length of contract. So, deal. You got so, it. Here's the, here's the tricky part. Mm -hmm. the, the tricky part is I don't know what his value is. And I guess that's what's so weird about, like, I trade him. When I say I trade him, it, it means I listened to all you guys a year ago. <laughs> And everybody wanted his ass sent out. I know how much we're proud of that, by the way. <laughs> but it's easy to do that when a uh -huh. guy is struggling. It's like right. me right now with Ben Simmons, right? Let's say Ben Simmons for the next three weeks starts playing like the old Ben Simmons. It's easy to say when a guy is struggling, trade him. He hates New York. He gave my fan base the middle finger. Obviously, you didn't trade him because you weren't going to get anything for him. You're going to have to throw in value to get rid of him. So... It comes down to this. Can Julius Randle be your second best player and win a championship? No. Right. You're still looking for that big star. So right now with his value at its peak, assuming that it is, I think it is, the guy's a borderline all-star, you would think that the most you're ever going to get back for him is right now. Plus, what is OB Toppin? Yeah. Isn't the answer, I don't freaking know because the guy barely can play. So trading Julius not only gets you something back, but you actually open up a chance to see what Obi Toppin is. Now, obviously, does that hurt your chances in the short term? Of course, I'm not disputing that. But what are you trying to do? And you could tell me, are you trying to just be as good as you can with this roster? Or are you trying to eventually get to where you want to go, which is competing for a championship? And this is where this season being what it is, especially after the summer that they didn't get Donovan Mitchell they now will operate this upcoming off season. Cause I don't think there's just no world. I see that Julius Randall gets treated during the season. I, I think he is being a surefire board. Uh, I say surefire because the, the chatter around the league is that he actually is closer to being a, a guaranteed all-star than, than I think we're suspecting that he might be. But I think that the top end conversation is it's more become one of them has to go. And look, Julius isn't a negative asset anymore, as you're saying. The fact that you can thing. now go into this offseason yeah. and evaluate him with like, oh, let's see what is 
his new market looks like. Maybe he's the piece that you use to upgrade the roster to the next level of like borderline contention. Because I don't think that move, like there's some speculation, at least from our end speculation. And I'm sure you could see it that Philly loses in the first round, Harden leaves, and then Embiid's by himself and is like, all right, I want out. And then the Knicks have this treasure chest that they can tr- they can throw at Philly. And Maury, who doesn't like to tank, might want all-star, two-time all-star Julius Randle in return or three-team trade where the assets go to Philly and Randle ends up in another place that's trying to right. win. Um, but that's the biggest difference. And I think that's the most productive part about this season. While it may be frustrating to some fans that they're not tanking and that the ceiling is like so very clearly the six seed, you know, the, that's that's a playoff series. That's something that Knicks fans haven't been able to enjoy for a while. And it's exciting. With, with this rotation being like Julius is the oldest in the rotation, there's some promise that this team can now develop a culture of playing competitive games. It, it is you know? kind of crazy. You know, when you think about all the different teams and sports and athletes that have been around here to see a guy who comes in here not beloved because he's basically your second prize for not getting Durant. You don't love him in his first year. Then you fall head over heels in love with him. MVP chance galore. (laughs) Then you hate him and he's a loser because he's cursing you out. Give him away for nothing. Then you love him again. Like I've never seen like the Undertaker. It's like a real life Undertaker. He's dead. He's back. He's dead. He's back. The resurrection of Julius Randle as many times as that's happened is kind of crazy to me. I was going to ask you as someone who I i mean, hopefully you take this as a compliment as like a New York sports historian. Can you find a comp for this? The one that was thrown at me the other day was Edwin Diaz. And I was like, no, Edwin Diaz would then have to have like a horrific season first year of this contract. And then the next year have an even better season in year two of that deal. And there also would have to be a young Mets prospect that we all actually right. wanted them to be the closer waiting in the wings, you know? Yeah, that's the only comp I got. I can't think of another one. The only other comp I have, and none of this is perfect or accurate, is A-Rod in that Mm. he comes here beloved, which I guess is the opposite of Julius, has a really good year, has a really good first round in the playoffs against Minnesota, sucks against the Red Sox, is blamed for the collapse. Mm -hmm. So now he's hated. But he has a great regular season. Then he stinks in the playoffs. And Joe Torrey's batting him eighth against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Then he opts out. Then he leads him to a World Series. Then he's on steroids again. Like there's so many, there were so many ups and downs to A-Rod that I, I almost have to write it down to try to uh, see. Like I think you nailed most it, of them. It literally was an up and down, a Julius Randle type of arc every season. You know? Yes. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, there's not a lot of... Maybe Kyrie with the Nets. <laughs> you know, it's funny. A-Rod's the Kyrie path is what I was more thinking. You don't even have to, like you mentioned the apology that he gave to SNY. And again, not going to judge sincerity, but I think A-Rod's sincerity after his suspension after, uh, in 20, 2014, the Jeter season was like, okay, I want to play baseball again. This is right. all I have to say. I will play baseball again. Right. And like now he's getting every job possible, whether it be Fox or ESPN or the Timberwolves. Crazy. Um, you know, there's there is a path back to saying the right thing, you know, allowing that possible. Um, I've never seen it. And that's why I'm trying to like uh, the way last season ended. If they eventually do trade Julius in some type of deal, is it actually going to lead to like a standing ovation? His first night back at the garden, a tribute video to well, him. You know, st- no offense, but the uh, 
the bar for a tribute video is not exactly high. I mean, fair. That's very fair. I would argue after what we saw last season when he was literally thumbing us, thumbing down back at us to then experience a Julius Randle. Like, is that going to be in the tribute video? You know? <laughs> Good. I, mean, I can't rule anything out now with this guy and his legacy with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited for the game and I'm look, I, this next season they've played more competitively than I think I expected they would watching Julius re the reclamation project that he's been watching some of the younger guys develop has been fun. And you know, I, I, absolutely would have signed up for 27 and 23 through 50 games. And I understand the expectations are a little higher in Brooklyn. So this, this takes on a different weight playing, playing the Knicks this, the, the Saturday night. Um, I wish you good luck with your sons enjoying the game. <laughs> as far as the game is concerned, I obviously have a different motivation, um, but I, I do wish you the best of luck at Barclays tomorrow night. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, he, I, the experience, I not at all the game, the experience. I hope you enjoy I, your time at, at with the with the kids at the, my, at the arena. My oldest son, Jed, has seen the pain like he went to one of the playoff games against Boston. We mm. went to Boston for a game. He knows the deal. But my youngest is experiencing his first. Can he really watch Jalen Brunson <laughs> drop 35 and Julius Randle go for 27 and 17? Mm. Like that is a traumatic experience. So I asked the basketball gods one favor. I know you've given me a lot in terms of the head to head with the New York Knicks, but please, please don't make this like the night where Jason Kidd walked back into my uh, building and basically shoved it down my throat with a game winning three and the foul. Like, and a foul. Don't do yeah. that. Don't do that. <laughs> Which, a foul that would be called an offensive foul today, by the yes. way. The leg got kicked out. But, Good call. Good call. Uh, neither here nor there. Um, Evan, this is going to sound like the silliest plug ever, but um, plug where people can find you. Guy on the biggest talk show in the afternoons in New York City. Well, thank you. You can listen <laughs> to WFAN at two yeah. o'clock. Me and Craig Carton. And then sometimes I'm on Saturdays, but that's really if I if I'm in a good mood. Are and you with I, Joe on Saturday tomorrow? Yes, or, me and okay. Joe on Saturdays. Yeah. It's like a reunion every Saturday. Yeah, that's been amazing to listen to. By the way, I'm sure you're getting a ton of that. But that's like that's my when I'm doing chores on Saturday or, or running errands. It's like oh, well, I get Joe Joe and Evan back in my life. For, for yeah, it's been fun day, to do. You know? It's been a it's been a good time. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, Evan. Thank you as as always. Uh, it's always fun to have you on here. And again, I wish you luck at the game tomorrow and obviously the nets I, I wish something else yes i wish you no luck no whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> i wish you and your baseball and your football team the the best of luck Thank exactly you. You there too. you go you there you go evan roberts ladies and gentlemen okay that was evan roberts of wfan uh my sincere thanks to him for making time to help me preview the next matchup against the nets um I can't express how surreal it is when opportunities like this come up. And what I mean by that, um, I've interviewed Evan in the past. This, I think, is the third time I've had him in in some type of show format, whether it be I did a Mets show way back when he came on for that. I did a, just a general sports show. He came on for that. So this being the third time is, is pretty cool. Um, and yet it still is a moment where you have to kind of take a step back and appreciate it. Evan used to host the overnights on WFA and that's, I believe how he got his start in this industry. He was a kid in his twenties, but had so much wisdom and knowledge of New York sports history that you'd never know it. And 
there, I've never told him this, but there are in the archives of WFAN dozens of calls to the shows that Evan used to host from Andrew and CI, which stands for Central Islip, the town I grew up in. I used to call into WFAN when he was hosting all the time as a kid. And I, at a very young age, I knew what I wanted to do and the career path I wanted to follow. And it kind of started in my teens when I would stay up late, uh, school night or no school night, to call into WFAN and, and give off some takes um, uh, to, to Evan and to Joe Beningo, Tony Page, you name it. Even John Jaskremski, who's now my age, you know. Um, so it's really cool when you when you get to talk to people who paved the way for you to pursue a dream. And yet, I say all of that knowing that I hope him and his sons have a terrible time at Barclays Center on Saturday night because the Knicks have some history to to end or at least to make in that I want to actually beat Ben Simmons and I want to finally beat Kyrie Irving. I need those numbers to go back to zero. I need the Knicks to actually get some victories. And the beauty of it is that I think they'll show up. I think they got a really good shot. The Knicks go into Brooklyn on a two-game winning streak after showing up for Cleveland, showing up for Boston. And this might be their, their best shot. You know, we'll see, see how this game goes. But again, thank you to Evan for coming on the show. Uh, regardless, win or lose, John will be on the post game on Saturday night. I'm sure it'll be fun regardless uh, what happens. Um, and then APJP, Justin Palmer will be behind the scenes on the ones and twos. That'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. I'll be back with John and Jeremy on Tuesday, excuse me, on Monday behind the scenes, and then uh, Tuesday to preview the Lakers game with another pregame show. But until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend, and I'll speak with you soon. Peace. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.